When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello Wanderers, congratulations for making it this far. Today's episode is based on the last chapter in the Silmarillion proper. But don't worry, there's more tales and lore for us to explore. As you know, we've been wandering the first age of Middle-earth. We still have the second age and 3,000 years of the third age before we get to Bilbo, Frodo, Aragorn, and Gandalf's tale. And even then, we can explore into the fourth age of Middle-earth. So buckle up your adventure boots, because we have a lot more wandering to do. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome! You might feel like you've jumped in at the finale of a great story because, well, you have. Don't fret, all the previous episodes are always available, so go back and listen to them all. In this episode, we'll explore the chapter called Of the Voyage of Erindil and the War of Wrath, the last chapter in a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and published in 1977 after his death. A link to purchase The Silmarillion is in the show notes. Welcome! In the Lord of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers. Today's episode date is June 30th. We are 63 days away from the debut of Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. On this day in Middle-earth, it is Midsummer's Eve, or the last day of the sixth month on a hobbit's calendar. In the year 2941, Bilbo, Gandalf, and the dwarves are at the end of their visit in Rivendell, and Elrond examines the swords that Gandalf and Thorin reclaimed. In the year 3019, Arwen arrives in Minas Tirith, but I want to give this more detail, just to demonstrate Tolkien's beautiful imagery. This is a passage from Return of the King, quote, Upon the very eve of Midsummer, when the sky was blue as sapphire and white stars opened in the east, but the west was still golden and the air was cool and fragrant, the riders came down the northway to the gates of Minas Tirith. Oh, and tomorrow, Aragorn and Arwen are finally married in the year 3019. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-Earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Let's check the map. These map checks are inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books, and I hope give you the context for today's story. If none of this makes sense, please listen to a few previous episodes and catch back up. It is the first age of Middle-Earth. Morgoth, the Dark Lord, has decimated the final elven stronghold Gondolin, the Hidden City. He still possesses two of the three precious Silmarils, which he stole from the elves, and which contain the remnant of the light of the two trees of Valinor. A small remnant of elves remains in the southwest corner of Beleriand, led by Erindil. Four of Feanor's seven sons still live, led by the eldest, Maedros, and they still hold to their oath that no being, even Valar or elf, will stand in their way to reclaim their father's stolen Silmarils. Okay, let's pick up the tale with Eärendil and his family. I want to bookend Eärendil's tale with the death time foresight spoken by Eärendil's grandfather, Huor. 
During the fifth battle of Beleriand, Huor was guarding the retreat of King Turgon of Gondolin. In parting, Huorar says to Turgon, quote, Out of your house shall come the hope of elves and men. From you and from me a new star shall arise. So keep in mind these two themes in Eärendil's tale. From the combining of Tuors and Turgon's houses will come hope for elves and men, and a new star shall arise. Eärendil weds Elwing. Elwing, if you remember, possesses one of the Silmarils, which her grandparents, Luthien and Beren, won from the Iron Crown of Morgoth. Now, this union is important because both Eärendil and Elwing had both immortal elven ancestors and mortal man ancestors. Eärendil was born of Tuor, a man, and Idril, an elf. Elwing's grandfather was Beren the man, and her grandmother was Luthien, who in turn was also the daughter of two races. Her father was an elf, and her mother was Malian the Maiar, the class of divine beings who served the Valar. I point out these details for a couple of reasons. One, so that you get dizzy trying to remember all these names and lineages, and two, so that you can have the full context not only for Eärendil's voyage, but for the implications of having multiple races in the bloodlines meant for Eärendil's two sons. And who are these sons? One son you likely know very well, and the other you may not know, but you'll need to know in order to understand the events of the Second Age. Eärendil and Elwing's sons are Elrond and Elros, quote, who are called the Half-Elven. I've quoted this before, but when Frodo is in Rivendell, Elrond tells him, quote, Eärendil was my sire, who was born in Gondolin before its fall, and my mother was Elwing, daughter of Dior, son of Luthien of Doriath. Eärendil was good friends with Círdan the shipwright, and so Eärendil had a ship built, Vingolot, the foam flower, which had oars of golden color, like Laurelin the tree and the sun, and its timbers were white, with silver sails that are compared to the moon, which reminds me of Telperion, the silver tree. To describe this ship a bit further, I want to point out some verses. I know many people skip over the poems while reading The Lord of the Rings, I get that, but when you skip the poems, you miss out on some of the great lore. These verses were written by Bilbo, who shares them with the elves at Rivendell in the chapter Many Meetings in the Fellowship of the Ring. Here's a little sample, quote, Eärendil was a mariner that tarried in Arvienum. He built a boat of timber felled in Nimbrathel to journey in. Her sails he wove of silver fair, of silver were her lanterns made, her prow was fashioned like a swan, and light upon her banners laid. Eärendil set out on many voyages, and although Elwing, his wife, would stay at home, he had two purposes. One, find where Tuor and Idruel had gone, and two, deliver a message to the Valar in the west, if he could find the way. While out on an unsuccessful voyage, where he had been repelled from Valinor by shadows and wind, Eärendil feels the sudden urge to return home in great haste, for he suddenly felt a fear from what he did not know. Back in Beleriand, Maedros, son of Feanor, was tormented by the unfulfilled oath he had sworn to reclaim the Silmarils. When he learned that Elbing yet lived and possessed a Silmaril, Maedros and his brothers gathered their forces and sent messages to Elwing, first with a friendly request for the Silmaril, and then with, quote, stern demand to relinquish it. Elwing would not give up the jewel, for by her family history it had been saved. So Maedros and his brothers attack, quote, and so it came to pass that the last and cruelest of the slayings of elf by elf, and that was the third of the great wrongs achieved by the accursed oath. The first was the kin slaying in Aquilonde, which we covered in episode 7. The second was the fall of Doriath, which we covered in episode 28. In this attack, the sons of Feanor destroyed the refugees of Gondolin and Doriath, and two of the sons of Feanor fell so that only Maedros and Maglor remained. Help came from Círdan too late for, quote, Elwing was gone and her sons. The sons, Elrond and Elros, were taken captive, but Maglor later repented of his deeds 
and raised the elven boys with love. Quote, but Elwing, with the Silmaril upon her breast, had cast herself into the sea. Thus, Maedros could not reclaim the Silmaril. However, Olmo, the Valar of the waters, raises Elwing from the waves and puts on her the likeness of a great white bird. The Silmaril shines like a star as she flies to Erendil's ship, and in the morning she has turned back into her own form. Again, I'm going to quote from Bilbo's poem. Quote, there flying, Elwing came to him, and flame was in the darkness lit, more bright than light of diamond, the fire upon her carcanet. The Silmaril she bound on him and crowned him with the living light. Seeing no hope in Middle-earth, Erendil and Elwing turn the ship to the west, and attempt once again to find the shores of Valinor. Erendil binds the Silmaril on his brow, and its light grows brighter as they travel west. Quote, By reason of the power of that holy jewel, they finally came to the waters that had been closed to them before. They passed by the island of Tol Edesea, where, ironically, Erendil likely would have found Tuor and Idril, but they continue sailing west, until, quote, Erendil, first of living men, landed on the immortal shores. Erendil turns to Elwing and the three sailors who are with them and says, quote, Here none but myself shall set foot, lest you fall under the wrath of the Valar. But that peril I will take on myself alone, for the sake of the two kindreds. Now, an all-too-common cliché in hero journeys is when the hero turns to their sidekicks and support group and says, It's too dangerous, I'm going alone. And then the sidekick is like, We're going with you. Honestly, I find these scenes supremely dumb. But Tolkien can pull this moment off with such style and depth that this moment actually has weight and isn't cliché. I'll explain why I think so. All of the tales that we have covered so far have been of the elves in exile, banished by the Valar with a band to not return to Valinor. And we've seen the struggle and sorrow that the elves have been through because of that banishment. Now we have the unlikely hero, who is a mix of the two kindreds, and he has finally managed what no elf or man could before, find the shores of Valinor, using the light of the very jewel for which the elves were banished. He has done this in spite of the doom of Mandos, the Valar who keeps the houses of the dead, and in spite of the Valar's prevention that no elf or man could come to their shores. Do you feel the weight of that? This is much heavier and deeper than some teenage wizard with an ego problem trying to angstily turn his friends away. Although, don't get me wrong, I like me a good Harry Potter story too. But the richness of this problem, don't set foot on the shores of the Undying Lands, lest you also suffer the Valar's wrath, is much weightier, in my opinion. Nevertheless, Elwing refuses to stay behind, reminds me of her grandmother Luthien. She leaps into the white foam and runs toward him saying, quote, All thy perils I will take on myself also. They have arrived at a time of festival, like Morgoth and Ungoliant many centuries before, and nearly all inhabitants were in the halls of the High King Manwe, but some watchmen spot him and hurry to give word to the Valar. But Erendil continues on, through the empty elven city of Tyrion, though he found it bare, and the dust was so thick on the streets that as he walked through it, it sprung up and clung to his shoes and clothes. The dust reflected the light of the Silmaril, and so, quote, he shone and glistened as he climbed the long white stairs. Calling out in many languages, both of elves and men, he finds no one, and in despair, turns back to climb down to the shore. But at that moment, he hears an answering voice, saying, quote, Hail, Erendil of mariners most renowned, that cometh beyond hope, bearer of light before the sun and moon. This was Aonwe, the herald of Manwe. He brings Erendil to the halls of Manwe, where the Valar took counsel together. The Valar even summoned Olmo from the depths of his seas. Erendil stands before them and, quote, delivered the errand of the two kindreds. He asks for pardon, pity, mercy, and succor for elves and men. Now, in the Cimmerillion, we're not given any of the dialogue between Erendil and the Valar. However, Bilbo's poem, yes, more poetry, 
give some insight. Quote, he came unto the timeless halls where shining fall the countless years, and endless reigns the elder king in Elmarion on mountain sheer. And words unheard were spoken then of folk of men and elven kin, beyond the world where vision showed forbid to those that dwell therein. Returning now to the Silmarillion, quote, and his prayer was granted. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. After pleading for mercy for the elves and men, Erendil leaves the Valar to counsel among themselves. The first debate regards the fate of Erendil and Elwing, who dare to leave Middle-earth and set foot on the Blessed Realm. Mandos argues that Erendil is mortal and cannot be allowed to live. Olmo argues that for this purpose he was born, and reminds them that Erendil is born not only of mortal man, but of the immortal elves as well. Finally, Manwe gives judgment, citing the love that Erendil has for the two kindreds and the love that Elwing has for Erendil, he makes this decree, quote, To Erendil and to Elwing and to their sons shall be given leave each to choose freely to which kindred their fates shall be joined, and under which kindred they shall be judged. Ah, so that great theme of choice now enters into the tale. And this is indeed a mighty choice, to receive the blessings and immortality of the elves, or the freedom and strange gifts of men. And notice that this choice is given to their sons, Elrond and Elros as well. However, in a manuscript that dates to about 1959, Tolkien had this to say regarding the choice given to Erendil. Quote, Erendil was only 39 when he came to Valinor. He was not allowed to return to Middle-earth, but he obtained the grace from Iluvatar via Manwe that his children, being half-elven on both sides, descendants of Idril and of Luthien, should a. have a choice of which kindred they would belong to, and b. should in each kind have a long and fair youth, meaning they should only slowly reach maturity and that this should extend to the second generation, thus from Elrond to Arwen. So this explains the dilemma that Peter Jackson's movies portray so well. Arwen is able to literally choose to forsake the immortal life of the elves, as Aragorn says in The Fellowship of the Ring, and Arwen answers, quote, I choose a mortal life. That choice is a direct result of Arendil's journey to Valinor to plead before the Valar. Arendil says he is weary of the world and gives the choice to Elwing. She chooses, quote, to be judged among the firstborn children of Iluvatar because of Luthien, and for her sake, Arendil chose alike. Arendil's choice demonstrates his love for Elwing, for in his heart, he would rather have been judged among mortal men. After their choice is made, the Valar send the three companions of Arendil back to the east in a boat. But for Arendil, the Valar remade his ship Vingolot, quote, it was filled with a wavering flame, pure and bright. And Arendil the Mariner sat at the helm, glistening with dust of elven gems, and the Silmaril was set upon his brow. One last reference to Bilbo's poem in the Fellowship of the Ring. I promise this is the last bit of poetry. Quote, a ship then knew they built for him, of mithril and of elven glass, with shining prow, no shaven oar, nor sail she bore on silver mast. The Silmaril as lantern light and banner bright with living flame, to gleam thereon by Elbereth herself was set. 
The ship is lifted up out of the seas and sails into the night sky as a new star, voyaging beyond the confines of the world. He can often be seen at morning or evening, sunrise or sunset. In a manuscript Tolkien wrote in the 1960s, and now published in Carl Hostetter's book, The Nature of Middle-Earth, we find this gem nestled in a long essay regarding the elvish names for astronomical events. Quote, Certain stars, no doubt those we call planets, and among them especially Venus, which they later called Eärendil. So Eärendil rises as a star, the star that today we know is the planet Venus. When Eärendil first rises to the sky, the elves, quote, took it for a sign and called it Gil Estel, the star of high hope, and despaired no longer. The two sons of Feanor, Maedros and Maglor, realize that it is a Silmaril, and they have no ability to reclaim that Silmaril now. But Morgoth, as always when a new light appears in the sky, is, quote, filled with doubt. Thus, Huor's prophecy is fulfilled. Erindil has brought hope to elves and men, insomuch as the Valar will answer his prayer for succor for the two kindreds, and Erindil with the Silmaril is risen as a star. Let's take a look at some references to Erindil as a star. When Aragorn is sharing some lore with the hobbits under Weathertop, he says, quote, For of Baron and Luthien was born Dior Thingolzair, and of him Elwing, the white whom Erindil wedded, he that sailed his ship out of the mists of the world into the seas of heaven with the Silmaril upon his brow. And of Erindil came the kings of Numenor. When Galadriel is giving gifts to the company in the Fellowship of the Ring, she says to Frodo, quote, In this file is caught the light of Erindil's star, set amid the waters of my fountain. This was also portrayed in Jackson's movie when Galadriel says, quote, I give you the light of Arindil, our most beloved star. And I love this description from the two towers, when Frodo and Sam are in the darkness of Shelob's lair, and Frodo draws out the file of Galadriel. See if you can spot the theme of hope. Quote, For a moment it glimmered, faint as a rising star, struggling in heavy earthward mists. And then, as its power waxed and hope grew in Frodo's mind, it began to burn and kindled to a silver flame, a minute heart of dazzling light as though Erindil had himself come down from the high sunset paths with the last Silmaril upon his brow. The darkness receded from it, until it seemed to shine in the center of a globe of airy crystal, and the hand that held it sparkled with white fire. One last connection. When Galadriel reveals her ring of power to Frodo, after he has looked into the mirror of Galadriel, we get this line, quote, She lifted up her white arms. Erindil, the evening star, most beloved of the elves, shone clear above. So bright was it that the figure of the elven lady cast a dim shadow on the ground. Its rays glanced upon a ring about her finger. Okay, I think that's enough stargazing for one episode. Now you know the full journey of Arindil, how he and Elwing came to Valinor, and how Arindil, as a child of both elves and men, was able to plead for mercy and succor on behalf of the children of Iluvatar. We've seen the fulfillment of Ur's prophecy of hope and a new star. Please join me next week, where we will see how Arindil's prayer was granted through the final battle between the Valar and Morgoth that will literally reshape the world and bring the first age of Middle-earth to an epic end. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.